our series on understanding the Trinity of God. It is today Independence Day for those of us who live in America, a time where we celebrate the freedom that we have here in our nation, where we have the right to choose whatever job we want to do, to worship uh, whoever we want to worship, that freedom of religion, and even the freedom of what takes place within our own family and what we teach them and, and how we conduct ourselves, how many kids we have, all of those different things come from the freedom that we have. And so this is a time that we celebrate that national freedom that we have as Americans. And of course, that freedom that we have isn't originally given by a nation, but before it comes from the nation, it comes from God, the God that we serve who has given us uh, the rights that we have to live in a way that we want to live. And we call this kind of freedom having free will, uh, the freedom to make the choices of what we're going to do, what we're going to say. That is having free will. And free will is really a rather interesting concept because it raises the question of why do we have free will? If God wants us to live according to his will, why doesn't he just make us live according to his will? Why does he give us the opportunity to make mistakes, especially knowing that we are not perfect, we are an imperfect creation? So why does the all-wise, all-knowing, uh, all-powerful God give us, his imperfect creation, free will? And so that's the question that I want to answer in today's sermon. So to find the answer, we are going to turn to the book of James and read through a portion of the first chapter of James. Now, the book of James is attributed to James, the brother of Jesus. So Jesus's brother wrote James, and he wrote it to the 12 tribes of Israel during a time of great persecution in the early church where Christians were being hunted down and killed for their faith, that was the time that this was being written. So I want us to read through this, and, and I'll talk a little bit about what we learn about what free will is, how it operates, and why God has given us free will to begin with through this passage. So again, James chapter 1, I'll begin reading in verse 2 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position, but the rich should take pride in their humiliation since they will pass away like a wild flower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant, 
Its blossom falls and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich will fade away even while they go about their business. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. And I'll stop there, and there is a lot uh, in these verses for us to look at, and I'm going to kind of tackle it in different sections and, and not all in a row. In fact, I'm going to start by looking at what's being talked about in verses 13 through 18, where it talks about how no one should say that God is tempting them because God doesn't tempt anyone. And these verses really highlight that the temptation that we face in this world, that that doesn't come from God. And the trials that we have to go through, the things that we have to overcome, those are not things that come from God. So then that begs the question, well, where, where do those things come from? If they don't come from God, where do they come from? It comes from our fallen nature, about this, from the sinful nature that lives inside of us, our selfish desires to do things that benefit us first and foremost. Because we live in a fallen world where people are sinful, there will be trials and temptations that we have to face. But we need to recognize that those things don't come from God. Because in verse 17 it says that every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father. So God only gives the good things to us. He doesn't give us the things that we have to overcome. And so this then asks the question, okay, so how does this fit in with free will? Why does God give us the free will? Well, I want to start here because this shows us that God doesn't give us free will in order to give us a chance to fail. That is not why God gives us free will. He's not saying, well, I want to see what happens. I, w I want to see if they decide to serve me or if they decide to, you know, be dragged away by temptation and their own selfish desires. That's not why God is doing it. God doesn't give us free will to see what choice we make and to give us the opportunity to fail. He does it so that he can give us the opportunity to instead make the right choice. That is why free will is given to us, so that we can choose to do what is right, that we can choose to live according to God's will. Now, part of the um, repercussions and consequences that comes from having free will 
in a fallen world is that we can then choose the wrong choices. But it's not accurate to say that those wrong choices also come from God, just because God has given us the opportunity to do what is right. It's simply a side effect that comes from the fallen world. That doesn't come from God. But God still gives us the choice so that we can choose to do what is right, so that we have that opportunity to make that choice. So let me put it into simple earthly terms that we can understand. Uh, I would say that probably most of you listening to this know how to drive, which means that at some point you were taught how to drive a car. You were given the knowledge, you know, had that learning passed on to you to teach you how to drive your car. And you're given that knowledge for a purpose so that you are able to use your car to get to places that are too far to walk to and be able to get to places faster by driving there. That's what you gain by having that knowledge passed on to you and given the opportunity to drive. Now, simply because you have that knowledge and are given that opportunity doesn't mean that you were given that opportunity so that you can get into a wreck, so that you can have an accident on the road. No one is taught when they're being taught how to drive how to get into an accident. No one's taught how to crash. Instead, we're taught how to avoid getting into an accident. But we still have accidents that happen. We still have car crashes in our world. Despite no one being taught how to get into a car crash. It's the same way when it comes to the free will that God gives us. God doesn't give us free will so that we have the chance to fail. He gives us free will so that we have the opportunity to succeed through our own merits, through our own choice to live according to God's will, to say, I could choose to do something I know that's wrong, but I'm not going to. Instead, I'm going to use this opportunity that God has given me to make the right choice. And it's a part of the human nature to long to be able to make that choice. We have this desire to take control of our lives, or at least have a little bit of control, to continue with the car analogy, which seems like I use car analogies a lot in my sermons. I don't know why, they just seem to always fit well. But to kind of continue with that analogy, um, you know, there's companies coming out with self-driving cars, cars that are able to drive themselves. And there's a lot of people that don't like that idea of self-driving cars. And part of it is because they don't trust that a self-driving car will keep them safe. They think, well, that's an accident waiting to happen. But even if, let's say, there was a 0% chance that a self-driving car could ever get into an accident, do you think that then everybody would be sold on self-driving cars? I don't think so. I know, at least for me personally, I would still want the opportunity to drive that car manually, to be able to drive that car myself, not to just have it automated and done for me. I want the opportunity to take the knowledge and learning that uh, I've earned and be able to drive the car myself. I don't want the car driving for me. 
And that's what God is doing when he gives us free will. He's not saying, well, I'm giving you the chance to fail. He's saying, I'm giving you the chance to succeed so that it's not being taken care of for you. I am placing this into your hand so that you have the chance to make the choice that is right. I'm giving you the opportunity to succeed. And that's part of what free will does for us. So, and, and then, of course, you know, one of the side effects of that is that there will be temptations, there will be trials that we have to go through and overcome. But what I want us to realize through this is that we shouldn't be blaming God for those trials and temptations because God isn't giving us the trials and temptations. The gift that he has given to us is the opportunity to make the right choices and the opportunity to succeed by doing what God desires and making that choice on our own. And that's what we see here in James chapter 1. And speaking about James chapter 1, let's bounce back up to the top of that and look at verses 2 through 7, because here we have just the mind-blowing reason for why God gives us free will. It, it says, you know, to read it again, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So here we are shown that through trials, we are given the opportunity to mature, and it says be, become complete, that you may be mature and complete. And that only comes through facing trials. And this is the incredible thing that God has given to us. And, and when, I, when I first realized this, I, I actually uh, broke down a little bit and, and cried because of what a wonderful gift this is from God. By giving us free will that allows us to face different trials and different temptations, that as we face those trials and temptations, what then happens is that as long as we continue to persevere and hold to the truth of God and follow his will, when we do that, we become more mature and complete. And what we're talking about there is, is a process of growth. And that is what God desires for us. That's why he gives us free will, is to let us experience the process of growth. Think about that. God is unchanging. He is eternal. You know, I, I, when I was talking about um, God the Father, I, I really highlighted the unchanging nature of God. And God didn't create us with an unchanging nature. He created us as an imperfect being so that we have the potential to grow. 
And it's through that growth that we are really shown the beauty of life. That we don't just remain the same from the time that we're born to the time that we die. There's a process that we go through of, of becoming greater people, greater creations of God, greater followers of Christ. We're able to process things more deeply and understand things more deeply and and avoid mistakes that we have made in the past because we are growing through all of the experiences that we have. And that is what God desires for us to be able to experience is that process of growth. And it's only made possible by the trials that we face as a result of the free will that God has given to us. And there is such a beauty in that process of growth in our life and to be able to see that change it's a it's a beautiful theme to watch that happen and it's only possible because of the gift of free will that god has given to us if god did not give us free will we would have no growth in our life our life would be stagnant it would be unchanging and there's a certain element of life that is lost if you take that away. And when God gives us free will, he gives us that opportunity to experience that process of growth in all of its beauty. And it truly is a beautiful thing when we're able to chip away our weaknesses our failures, and become a better person. To really, um, you know, start not knowing who we are or what we're meant to do in life. And to, as we, as we follow God and his direction, to be able to see those pieces come together to make us almost a brand new person as we grow. It's, it's just like putting a puzzle together. I love doing puzzles. I love starting with nothing, just all the pieces scattered around, and to watch those pieces slowly be put together to make a whole picture. And oftentimes when you're done putting a puzzle together, you want to take it apart so that you can do that again. You, you want to go through that process again of seeing that picture come together. And, and it's the same thing with us and God. God wants to be able to see us growing and seeing the pieces of our lives come together as we face different trials and overcome temptations in our life so that he molds us into being the man or woman of God that he wants us to become and letting us experience that process it's it's a wonderful thing you know my wife and I we've we've got a cat and um one of the things that's fun to do sometimes is to go back and look at pictures of when we first got her. And, and you know, she's just this little bitty kid, kitten and, you know, so cute and all that. But of course, as she's gotten older, she's developed way more of a personality. And, you know, she now knows places in the house that she's not allowed to go to. And, and she has a certain routine that she follows. And, and it's just so wonderful to look back at pictures of what she was like when she was a kitten and compare that to who she is now and to be able to have experienced 
the whole process of that change. And I can only imagine when we have kids how much more rewarding and, and enjoyable that experience is going to be. And that's what God experiences with us. You know, that's probably part of the reason why God loves us so much is, is he loves to see us go through this process of, of change and growth as we become the person that he desires for us to be. And again, that is only possible when we go through and face different trials and temptations because of the free will that God has given to us. That allows us to make those right choices, allows God to mold us into who he wants us to be, allows God to chip away the things in our heart that are not from God, that those selfish, sinful desires that need to be removed to help us grow into the person that God wants us to be. And one of the worst things we can do is to become stagnant in that process. To stop going through that change, to say, well, I've got things all figured out now, and I'm good the way that I am, and you know what? I'm just going to coast through the rest of my life. Could you imagine how that makes God feel? Could you imagine stopping in the middle of a puzzle halfway through and not being able to see the finished result? Not being able to see any more pieces come together to help complete that beautiful picture. I don't want to do that to God. I don't want to become stagnant in my faith. I don't want to ever reach a place where I stop growing into who God wants me to be. And because of that, it's so important for us to use the gift of free will that God has given to us and to use it to always be challenging ourselves to grow in our spirit, to always be pushing ourselves to be greater today than we were yesterday. That process of growth, that is the reason for why God has given us free will. He wants us to experience that process. And then he goes on in verses 9 through 12 and, and talks a little bit about how that process works and how it's different for different people. He talks about how, uh, it says, believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position, but the rich should take pride in their humiliation. So here we're shown, you know, those that are rich, those that are taken care of, those that don't really have to face a lot of trials in their life, that they are in a lower position than those who are in humble or difficult circumstances. And that's because when we face hardships, those hardships then provide greater opportunities for growth than a life of comfort. When everything is taken care of for you, you can make many, many mistakes without it being an issue. But if you're in difficult circumstances, there's not a whole lot of room for mistakes, and you really have to get your life together quickly to be able to move past those hardships. And as you move past those hardships, through those trials, you grow as a person. You learn better ways to live your life 
and 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 when you're dealing with those hardships the growth that can come through that pro- through that process is so much greater than someone that is going through a comfortable life and that's why the free will that we've been given really has the greatest potential to shine when we are facing difficult circumstances because it's so much more difficult to have the kind of perseverance that James is talking about. That perseverance that sometimes has to last way longer to get us through difficult circumstances. And the maturity that can come from that, the completeness that we can have as we persevere through those times, the growth that can happen, it shines so much more beautifully in those difficult circumstances. But if you take those circumstances away and you give someone an easy life, a life of comfort, a life of ease, then they aren't going to have the same kind of growth. It's that conflict, that struggle, that really allows for that growth to happen. And I think that's a reason why a lot of people I know uh, don't like the superhero Superman. Um, Superman's been around for a long time, and, and the whole premise of Superman is that he's stronger than anyone else. He's faster than anyone else, you know, leaping buildings in a single bound, and he can fly halfway across the world in, in you know, just a couple seconds. That's, that's part of what makes Superman so super. And I know a lot of people really don't like Superman for those very reasons, because he can do anything. Does he have to get a, halfway around the world in two seconds? Yeah, he can do that. Does he have to memorize a book in, you know, half a second? Sure, he can do that. Does he have to, you know, catch a plane that's falling down and land it to safely? Yep, he can do that. And so a lot of people... Uh, don't really like Superman because of that, because it feels like there's there's not really any risk, there's not any struggle that takes place. Now, there really is when you, you know, get into Superman, and I really, I like Superman because it takes that of, okay, you've got perfection, you can do whatever you want to do, but what are you going to do? And that's really where the conflict comes from. Um, But a lot of people that don't see that conflict and are just focused on the more physical conflict that is taking place, oftentimes become bored with it because they're not seeing any change in Superman. They're not seeing any struggle, any, any trial that he has to face because it's not a struggle for him. And, and that's kind of what James is talking about, about rich people and those that, you know, have all of their needs taken care of, is a lot of the times you're not going to see any great growth come from that. You're not going to see any change in them over time. But that doesn't mean that there's not still a role to be played for people that are in those positions, because he talks about how they should take pride in their humiliation. So those who do have a life of comfort, a life of ease, their role is to remain humble in that position and that in that way 
they will have perseverance as they recognize that there is a certain responsibility they have for what they've been given. You know, I've talked about the parable of the talents or or bags of gold, as some translations use, in Matthew chapter 25 about the three servants that were given bags of gold by their master. And then the master left. And when he came back, he wanted to see that something had been done with what they had been given. And so the first two servants that were given the bag of gold and put it to work to make double what they had, they were praised. But the one that took it and hid it away uh, because he was worried about anything happening to him, that he was scolded as a wicked and lazy servant. And that is the warning for those of us that are living a life of comfort. So those who are facing hardship, the message is continue to persevere, continue to trust God, and he will lead you through those difficult times. And as he does that, you will see a growth and a new maturity and completeness as you come through the other side of that, as you continue to choose with your free will the choice that God has has paved for you to do, the, the, the choice that God desires for you to choose. And you'll see yourself grow through that process. But for those of us that aren't facing hardships in our life, that we do have our needs met, that we are being taken care of, we really do have a life of ease, our responsibility then is to take pride in our humiliation and recognizing that the only things we have are things that God has given to us. And without God's blessing on our life, we wouldn't have anything at all. And so we then want to become good stewards of what God has given us and and really utilize what we have been given to the best of our abilities to please God and and persevere, persevere in that way to continue to grow in our character and our spirit. So either way, both of these circumstances, there's a way that it can be utilized in the approach that we take to continue to grow from it. And again, it all comes back down to free will. God gives us free will. Not to see what we're going to do with it. Not so that we can have the opportunity to make bad decisions, but so that we have the opportunity to make the right choices in our lives. And that as we are given that free will, that gift from God, and we deal with the trials and temptations that are the side effects of living in a fallen world with that gift, that we challenge ourselves, we challenge our character, we challenge our attitudes, we challenge our lifestyle against the word and will of God to help us grow and mature and become a more complete creation of God through that process of growth. And that when we're facing difficult circumstances, that we see that as a wonderful opportunity to grow through our perseverance. And that even as we come through the other side and we find ourselves in a life of comfort and ease, that we then remain humble. Again, choosing it, making that choice to remain humble 
choosing to be responsible stewards of what God has given to us so that we can show ourselves um, to be good followers of Christ, to be a good friend to Jesus, who was the greatest friend of all by sacrificing himself for us. This is why we have free will. The freedom that we have is a gift from God, and it's meant to facilitate our spiritual growth, especially through the difficult circumstances that we face. It's not a game that God is playing with us. He's not just, you know, choosing to see what we do just for the fun of it. Instead, he has given us a wonderful opportunity, placing placing the ball in our court, putting it in our hands, this gift of free will, so that we have the opportunity to make the choice for ourselves to live for God. Despite living in a fallen world. And as we face our temptations and overcome our temptations and and face different trials and, and allow God to lead us through those trials, that we see ourselves growing into more and more and more of the person that God wants us to be. And that we don't blame him for those trials we go through, but we realize that there the growth that comes from that is a beautiful theme. And that as we come through the other side, that we don't become prideful of making it through because we didn't do it through our own power, but through God's help. And then allowing God to keep us humble, make sure we keep God on the throne, realize God is God and we are not, And we wouldn't be able to do anything without God. We wouldn't have anything without God. And let that humility then keep us responsible as we live our life. That is the purpose of free will. And it's a wonderful, beautiful gift that we've received from God. So as we have this time to celebrate freedom, let's remember ultimately the freedom that we've received from God and the responsibilities that we have on how we handle that freedom in the choices that we make. So this has been another Sermon in the Pocket, and I'll be continuing my series on understanding the Trinity next week, finishing the last part of that off. But hopefully this has been meaningful to you and and encouraging to you, especially if you're going through something difficult. Don't give up. God sees you, he knows what's going on, like what's going on in your life, and he will use it to grow you into someone greater than you were before you had to deal with that situation. So don't give up, persevere, continue to trust God through that process. And if you have any comments or questions about anything I've talked about in this sermon, or just about the Bible, or God, or how to live life as a Christian, anything like that in general, feel free to get in contact with me. You can do that through the Facebook page or email me directly at sermoninthepocket at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. And as always, I encourage you to share this with other people to help 
get the message out there. But until next time, this has been another Sermon in the Pocket, and I pray that God will bless you as you go throughout your day. Thank you again for listening. Thank you.